but I was walking on the street one day and I realized like, wow, now I know like where I come from, sort of like culturally where my roots are and what kind of situation there is behind me. Welcome back, Assyrian podcast listeners. We hope you've had a long, restful summer. Now we're geared up with lots of great stories to share and ready to kick off our new season. I'm Marina, and I'm so excited to join the Assyrian podcast as a co-host and to bring you episode 173 with Dr. Emil Anton. Look, I've always known that I'm Assyrian. It's never been a question in my home, just a fact. You may have a similar experience, but imagine for a moment that you didn't know and that a few key moments in your life led you on a path discovering the many layers of your identity. A couple years ago, my husband sent me a link to a newly published book in Finland with a title that translates to The Land Between Two Streams. The thoroughly researched book talks about the religious roots of ancient Mesopotamia and modern-day Iraq. Curious. When I dug into the writer, I found many articles written by him that discuss the Christians in the Middle East. Others about the names these Christians use and whether they have a right to use them. Well, you can imagine how I felt then. I read the articles in the order they were published and noticed something fascinating. A clear and sometimes squiggly line with a starting point and a progression. Uh, but a progression to what? Well, my guest today is many things. In fact, he strikes me as a modern-day Renaissance man. He is not only an academic with a PhD in theology, he is a researcher, a teacher, a juggler, a magician, an official tour guide in the city of Helsinki, a humanitarian, and a builder of bridges in everything he does. On top of all of that, he's also a hyperpolyglot with proficiency in more than 10 languages. Just reading his bio will make your head spin. Our conversation took place on a beautiful summer day in Turku, Finland, this past July. We spoke a lot before recording the interview, and through those conversations, I began to understand his positions, his curiosity, and his process on digging into all topics. I felt confident that rather than focusing on the subject of one particular article, the bigger story here is of Emil using his many talents to slowly uncover his own place in this world. And that's a beautiful thing. I'll let him tell you the story in his own words. Join me on his journey of spiritual awakening and self-discovery. But first, this episode is sponsored by the Oshana Partners, a husband and wife real estate team. Are you looking to purchase or sell a home in Arizona or California? John and Rita are available to help make your next real estate decision into a seamless transaction. Contact the Oshanas at 209-968-9519. Get to know them a bit more by checking out their website, theoshanapartners.com. And now, here's Dr. Emil Anton. Emil Anton, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for making time for us. We're excited to talk to you. I'm excited about this too. I think most of our listeners maybe don't know of you, and I'd like to have them get to know you first. So give me give me your bio, your childhood, anything oh. you'd like to share. Okay, right. So I was born in Finland. We are recording this here in Finland at the moment. And uh, my mother is Finnish and my father is from Iraq. My father came to Finland in the 80s, thanks to my mother. Oh, really? He met in London. Yeah, so my father was studying there and my mother was an au pair. And they met there and, and then, yeah, love brought my father into the cold Finnish winter in 1983 into central Finland at the time when there were really not many foreigners in Finland, like immigrants or such. What town was that? 
Uh, that was near Juvascula, yeah, central Finland, yeah. So they lived there and then they eventually moved further south to the capital city area where I've grown up. So I could say I'm sort of a, a Finnish Iraqi, but, but always lived in Finland and the Iraqi side for most of my life was fairly sort of uh, weak, we can say. Yeah, so my father was there, but, but, but that was it. So, so the whole context was mostly Finnish. But that has changed recently a little bit. So actually, I want to start by giving you a gift. Oh. <clears throat> so you know about this because that's why you invited me. But oh. here's my book. Yeah, that's a present for hey, you. Hey, thank you so much. Right, that's, so. that's really kind of so, you. So by way of introduction, so I'm, I'm a, an author. I've written four books now. And this is my newest one, which is called uh, The Land of Two Rivers or Streams. In Finnish, it's a sort of a double entendre. So the streams are... the uh, whole title is, is uh, the uh, Iraqi story of uh, civilization and Christianity. So those are the two streams, the history of civilization and then the history of Christianity. So this book covers basically 5,000 years of cultural history from, uh, you know, the Mesopotamian cultures, Sumerians and Akkadians, Assyrians, Babylonians, and all the way through the history of uh, Syriac Christianity uh, until the recent persecutions and until today so it's no so, small feat yeah yeah and, uh, it was also featured in in the, the it was in the final of the history book of the year in finland so that was okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was okay yeah. that is very yeah. finnish of you to say yeah. that was okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's no big deal but it's a small small competition but anyway and for a finnish book especially it's a sort of a, well the biggest christian publisher in finland a finnish christian book at the moment, it sold a bit over a thousand copies, which is not like uh, it's like a huge, but it's okay. It's good for a Finnish Christian book anyway. Well, can I ask you because it's <clears throat> it's it's in Finnish? Yeah. Am I gonna mispronounce it? Kahden Viranmaa. That's good. Oh, hey. Yeah, very good. yeah. Um, And it has the same the same in the in the four languages of Mesopotamia. So in the back cover, it has it in Assyrian, in Sumerian, in Syriac, and in Arabic. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Is, so, are you going to have this translated by any chance? Well, I doubt it'll be translated, but I do hope I will write an English version, like a, a, a reworking, you know, because I wrote this for a Finnish audience, so I would have to sort of rework it for an international audience sometime in the future, depending on time and money and, and priorities. But Fair it's, enough. It's on the list, yeah. Fair enough. You do sound busy yeah. otherwise so tell me tell can you tell me about your childhood though so sure. you said it was your father you know and you knew of his roots but you grew up in finland near well near uvascula and then down near helsinki well yeah, i was born in the south so oh, okay. yeah i grew up close to close to helsinki but yeah so well i grew up speaking arabic yeah. uh-huh. so at home he spoke arabic with you the first three years or four years but you know at that point when when the sort of child starts understanding that he's the only one speaking Arabic and everyone else is speaking Finnish, then I guess I also sort of started replying back in Finnish and he got a bit lazy being the only one and, and um, unfortunately sort of, yeah, uh, switched to Finnish well, good for him that he learned Finnish that well. Uh, he also integrated very well. Um, unlike some other immigrants, that's a big issue, of course, but, but generally, yeah, he, he became quite finished yeah <laughs> uh, and and, uh, and 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 so i sort of lost my childhood arabic i just retained a few words uh, but we kept some traditions like some phrases like when you 
come out of the bathroom, there's a special phrase, or when you go to the hair, hair uh, to the, the barber and after haircut, there's a sort of a ritual phrase, you have a tap on the on the back of the head and uh, with a special phrase and these kind of uh, tiny traditions. And then I knew my grandparents were in Basra, in southern Iraq. Basra. Basra, yeah. And their house was bombed also during the Iran-Iraq war. And, wow. Um, and they came for a visit once in my childhood together, and then my grandfather came another time alone. So I remember those visits, and the first visit I was still speaking Arabic. I have video recordings of myself speaking Arabic with them. Then later my uncle came in the late 90s, he came and, and stayed in Finland. And then after uh, the chaos started in Iraq, after the Iraq war, then my aunt and my grandmother moved to Syria and then eventually to Sweden. Wow. Yeah, so, and my grandfather died in Iraq, so so that's basically my, my closest family. I have some distant relatives over there in Iraq, but no contact with them. So my family circle, Iraqi circle, is, is very small, so it's just my, my aunt and my uncle and my, my dad. And of course, I grew up listening to a lot of Arabic when my dad would speak with them on the phone, and I would also sometimes speak with them on the phone. It was very expensive, and <laughs> we knew that Saddam's men were listening, and you know there were certain topics you couldn't touch upon. And, and then the best thing was the, the food packages we would get every now and then from my grandmother, and uh, especially the dates. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, some other other uh, special food items, but yeah, so th- those were sort of the few contacts I had with that world. Yeah. Yeah, but and I knew it was there, but but yeah. But it makes sense that you say at some point you realize, oh, you're different than your friends, perhaps, and you adjust. And obviously, you have your mother who's speaking in Finnish. Yeah. So did you? Oh, but come... I I felt I was fully integrated. Like I yeah, it was very rare that you know well somebody. You know, might know. I think they generally sort of knew my my, my half Iraqi background, but it was very rarely any kind of issue. Like I just remember maybe two times in my whole whole childhood when someone would even sort of raise it hmm. in a sense that I could perhaps interpret as a bit of bullying. But I mean, a very very light. Uh, that uh, I had no no trouble generally speaking. I was just just like any other friend in the class. And, oh, good. Yeah. Good. At which point did you? unearth or discover that by being Iraqi, yeah. that there was a bit more, perhaps, yeah. to your dad's Iraqi story. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 a good, good start. I think it was 2007 when I got to visit my grandmother and my auntie in Damascus. Oh, okay, so you, you went to yeah, Damascus. Yeah, that was my first time in the Middle East. And wow, so I was 21. I was born in 86. And yeah, 2007 I went there and well it was a culture shock but yeah really wonderful culture shock in many ways of course for a Finn you know like <laughs> just to see all the people and all the chaos not to mention the, the traffic but also just like there's uh, on the airport I remember there were some Saudi pilgrims and and with their passports and their families and they had no concept of lying you know <laughs> they were just you know passing me for hours and I was waiting there on the screen oh, no. and on the line and they were just passing me right and left oh I can just imagine yeah, yeah but finally some some officer noticed that I had been you know <laughs> waiting for a long time and called me and I got to go into the country but then you know the dark night with all the mosques lighting up the, the sky with these green colors it was just a different world but then the christian world yeah it opened up in, in damascus like 
it was the first time I saw a Syrian Orthodox Church and well, I sort of assumed it's just the Orthodox Church of Syria, like we have the Orthodox Church in Finland. Right. Uh, soon I discovered it wasn't so, because then I discovered a, a, a Rome Orthodox Church. And I was like, Rome is like Rome, but what's a Rome Orthodox? Like, never heard of Rome Orthodox. There's no such thing. And then I started asking the priest there. And there's there was a Rome Catholic, but it looked like Orthodox. And, and then I discovered Rome means Byzantine. Of course, it's the second Rome. And, 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 and so... Roman Orthodox for them is Greek Orthodox to us, wow. and 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 then well, what's Syrian Orthodox then? And then I rediscovered they were the so-called Monophysites, and I had learned about them in, in uh, my sort of basic theology course, and and then I got interested in, in in that, and then I learned the Chaldeans were the Ex-Nestorians. I was like, whoa! And, and then my <laughs> then then my grandmother, I learned that my grandmother is Chaldean, and my my uh, my father, my grandfather's family was Syrian Catholic from Karakosh, and my grandmother's family was from Tilkev. Okay. So to to village Christian villages in the north, and and then well, I realized that the Syrian Catholics are sort of units from the Syrian Orthodox, and then the Chaldean Catholics are units, you know, from the. Then I learned, I think probably there, I learned for the first time about the Assyrian Church of the East or the Assyrians and. And uh, and then you know this world opened up to, of, of these Middle Eastern churches and, and the roots and it's like, well you know so so my roots like go back to these these old churches and Aramaic speaking it was my first Syriac liturgy like in the in Syriac Orthodox Syriac Catholic Church in, in Damascus I was sold you know <laughs> I didn't understand the language uh, but I actually discovered there on that trip that such a language exists and. I mean, I I think I knew about Aramaic and Jesus having spoken Aramaic, but but that there is this Syriac, this Christian Aramaic, as a sort of ecclesial language, and and, and spoken also in some villages, like in Malula, they have a, a different dialect, but Western uh, dialect. I visited also Malula and heard heard the Lord's prayer recited, and yeah. and so I think that opened up the world, but but it still stayed sort of. I did start learning Arabic more actively at that point. Um, but uh, it still stayed sort of dormant under other things. I was doing my theology studies, so so I got interested in theology in about yeah two thousand two, three, four, five, something like that. So I had a sort of a spiritual conversion experience on a pilgrimage in Poland when I was to the, uh, when I was sixteen, two thousand two, and started attending church more. And, what and, what uh, what happened there? What happened there? Well, uh, if you don't mind sharing, yeah, no, it's okay. It was I was sixteen, so this actually connects to my interest in languages. So my religion teacher was a Polish nun, and then there was a really beautiful Polish half Polish girl in my religion class, and we were very few, you know, Catholics. So yeah, uh, I was in the Catholic minority in, in Lutheran Finland, and the groups yes. are, groups are very small. We're like zero point three percent of the population, and there were a few Vietnamese and. And this one half pole. And um, at that point, I was interested in languages. First, it started through Swedish. We had this obligatory Swedish in schools. And then uh, I just liked it, unlike the rest of the class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I went into Norwegian. And then, yeah, Polish was interesting to me through the church. I knew some Poles and it sounded nice. And then I wanted to impress this girl and say something <laughs> in Polish. And then, yeah, that didn't really lead uh, to anything sort of significant. but. But, uh, well, it did in that sense that, that I started learning Polish and that led me to a lot of things. So 
but but the religion teacher was responsive and she she sort of uh, you know appreciated my learning polish and complimented my complimented my uh, pronunciation and such and so then i got to know that there's a, a pilgrimage in poland through the church a friend was organizing a pilgrimage and joining a big pilgrimage and i thought you know it's a nice challenge you know walk for a week and i get to practice my polish so i didn't have any uh, really sort of deep spiritual motivations but just uh, it was open and went and then um well i got to know the catholic world for the first time like the world of spirituality i hadn't really known what i don't know liturgy of the hours vespers or these kind of prayers or or adoration like eucharistic adoration it was the first time i attended such things in my life and there was a lot of joy there was a lot of young people two thousand people they were all singing happy songs not like these boring church songs but happy happy songs and joyful songs and then at this adoration um i just felt the sort of uh, touch of god's love i would say something like you know i'm loved this is good and and then i got an inner sort of conviction also to go to confession and start i just loved the liturgy the mass was really beautiful the polish dominicans they sang like angels and and it was just beautiful so then i found myself wanting to go to mass even you know during the week and so it started something like an inner conversion it started and it also then later had to do with moral life and, and such but uh, but the point is i started being more active and wanted to know more about the faith and a lot of things happened but but i found a person who would give me a sort of theology course and from that course I remember the most interesting thing for me was the Christology, like Christ is one person and two natures, and then there were these heresies, you know, the Nestorians and the Monophysites who had it wrong. And, <laughs> but I didn't know they still exist like this. I mean, any, anyway, those were a bit caricatures, you know, the, the, the false positions. But 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 then later discovering these, these churches that still exist from those times, from the 400s, and, and then also the unions, and, and I still carry this heritage. It was really, really fascinating. So, so these things converged. Kind yeah, of. they all converged, and it. So it was, uh, as I said, it was sort of dormant after the Syria trip because I was doing my theology studies at the university. I wanted to do a master's. Uh, I wanted to. I became a, like an authorized or competent religion teacher. So I, I am a religion teacher now in a school, the English school of Helsinki. Mm. Very small group of Catholics there, but yeah, lovely kids. Then later I went into my doctoral studies, I did my PhD on interreligious dialogue and Pope Benedict XVI. Mm -hmm. So that took time and then during that time 2015 happened and 2015 means the refugee crisis in Europe. Yeah. So it reached Finland, Finland is sort of the farthest, the farthest uh, northern corner of Europe but they came through Sweden and uh, there was a, a large group from Afghanistan as well, but, but uh, the largest group was from Iraq and it was over 20,000 people in one year in 2015. That is massive yeah, for yeah, Finland. For Finland, which is 5 million people. Yeah. And um, suddenly all these small towns, of course, they sort of spread them everywhere. They scattered them in different towns and suddenly in some small, smaller towns, you have these hundreds of Iraqis walking the streets. It changes the whole <laughs> oh, feeling of the city and, uh, and it does. causes a lot of uh, discussion in the public and, of course, political polarization as well. So then I thought, okay, hey, this is my time to be a bridge builder. I'm half Iraqi, I'm half Finnish. You know, this is my time to get to know my roots and, and to explain Finnish culture to the Iraqis, explain the Iraqi history to the Finns and, and also maybe, you know, to the Muslim, mostly Muslim background uh, refugees 
maybe they don't know, I mean, probably they don't know the pre-Muslim history of, of Iraq that well. So, and they maybe haven't been able to go to school much because of the war and such. So you just, so, you, on your own accord, you felt this conviction to, yeah, to do this. Yeah. yeah. How did your father feel about the arrival of these Iraqis? I'm just curious. Yeah, good question, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I, I wouldn't say he was very enthusiastic about it. At right. At first he was quite, you know, and he's also like that uh, as a temperament. He's a bit like he lives on the countryside, he has his own house and he doesn't <laughs> uh, do too much of the social things with, uh, with the Iraqis or... or any, any anyone really but um, but 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 then I, I convinced him actually to to become uh, an interpreter for them oh. yeah so so after some hesitation he actually agreed and then he did that for some time and, and it was a good experience that's fantastic yeah so, that's a big help yeah, and, and he was really good one of the probably one of the best interpreters because there were a lot of people who they just took anyone you know anyone who who could some who, who could speak some Finnish and Arabic like yeah. they, they, but he he's he's really good so so that so that was um, one thing that came out of it but but for me yeah, it was it was um, partly the sort of cultural bridge building but the other thing was also I heard from the beginning that a lot of of course a lot of Finnish Christians were also preparing and you know to receive and help these people but also you know to to have an opportunity to share the, the gospel with them, you know, especially let's say Pentecostals were very active, but also the Lutheran parishes were welcoming, not maybe actively converting anyone, but but welcoming. And 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 soon we heard news about a lot of the Iraqis being um, dismayed and disappointed with Islam and being interested in Christianity. So so then I thought as a theologian, like, okay, how are these parishes going to teach them Christianity? Like, are they going to take Luther's? bondage of the wheel or Luther's, you know, small catechism and start teaching and that when they actually have an Iraqi story in the Bible, like, you know, they could teach the Bible to them in an Iraqi way, like start from Abraham and, you know, the prophets, uh, you know, preaching in Babylon, Daniel and Ezekiel and, and all that, the, the deportations and the, and the whole sort of Iraqi history from the Garden of Eden and, and the Tower of Babel and everything, like, Everything comes from there. So, so you have an Iraqi story, but do you realize it? Like, what are you going to teach them? So no, that, that would have been a missed was, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was my other motivation. So that to not get to know the the really old history of Mesopotamia and how it links with the Bible, and then the other one was to to get to know the history of these the Chaldean and Syriac churches. I sort of knew the names, and I knew something like okay, it has something to do with this this Christological debates in the, in the 400s and but then there was a lot of blank like just centuries of emptiness like big black hole and I thought, <laughs> you know what what happened where did this come from and, and then also there was lurking in the, in the back of my mind also this question about like to what extent are these names like ecclesial names and what about the uh, sort of the ethnic question, like yeah. uh, the, the the names sound ethnic, like you know Assyrian and Chaldean, but then they are also church names, and so so what is it like, and and uh, what's their relationship to the ancient peoples, and and uh, you know if the Chaldeans are sort of unit uh, Assyrians, then obviously by changing your church, your nationality or ethnicity isn't changed. So so how is it like, and and so that was something that was unclear to me. And, yeah, it was a big adventure delving, sure. delving into those topics as well and many big discoveries. Yeah. Was that you just in your interest in religion and theology? Yeah. Or was there something 
else going on for you? Were you connecting it to yourself in any way? Or did you see this as just separate from you and you're just kind of researching and curious? How much or in what way did you connect that to yourself? Yeah, of course. It was was a process of uh, self-discovery and searching for my identity. And actually, it's a follow-up to my previous book, which was about my Finnish side. So in 2017, Finland turned 100 years as an independent country. Yes, of course, we celebrated. Yeah, 2017 was also the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And Finland has a medieval Catholic history, about 400 years. And then after the Reformation, about 500 years of Lutheran history. And in my family background, I have the Catholic side from my dad, and then I have the Lutheran side from my mom. So I thought, okay, this, this is a good idea to combine these two, Finnish independence, Finnish history, and then the Catholic Lutheran side, you know, from the Reformation uh, anniversary. So then I wrote a book in Finnish about the, the, the Finnish history, starting from the uh, 1100s, when the written history starts with the coming of St. Henry, our patron saint, and then uh, went through every century, sort of, uh, told some stories from every century. and, and No big deal, uh, went through uh, every century. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, and wanted to really search for my identity as a, as a Finnish Catholic. Like, what is it to be a Finnish Catholic? Obviously, if you want to be a Finnish Catholic, you have to take into account the Lutheran history also. Mm-hmm. And, and I have that in my family too. So it was like, what is it to be this kind of, we can say, Lutheran Catholic Finn or, or Finnish Lutheran Catholic or something like that. Yeah, well, where, where are the high yeah, so, yeah. So that was my first project and, and it definitely also shaped me and I searched for all this and, and found a lot of you know spiritual treasures and interesting historical stories and, and then you know when you learn them then you have them for for the rest of your life. They become part of your story also, your, you identify with them in some way. And, and then when this uh, Iraqi opportunity came then I thought okay this is perfect. I know I have this Finnish Catholic Lutheran side, I mean, uh, story, but then I also have this Syriac Chaldean story from my father's side, but now I don't really know anything about it, so right. now it's time to, to find out about that. And, and definitely, like, a whole new world opened up to me, and then I realized at the end of, actually close to the end of the, the book project, I was walking on the street one day, and then I realized, like, wow, now I know, like, where I come from, sort of like mm-hmm. culturally, where my roots are and what kind of history there is behind me and where I can draw from, like for yeah. the rest of my life, like yeah. I knew this whole... <laughs> you, gave, you gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I, I, I suddenly knew all these new names, like all these church fathers, for example, I had never heard about before. So I realized that there's a lot of texts unpublished, untranslated, unedited. Like, there's just, for the rest of my life, there's, you know, <laughs> things to discover, things to do, things to, you know, if I want to go into that, you know, to, to even to translate and publish, but even the ones that have been already published, just to read them and, and you know, uh, make those treasures my own, uh, the spiritual, historical, cultural treasures. So, so definitely, yeah, it, it, it t- took me to new places geographically and, and uh, historically. And, and I feel like I carry now this uh, 5,000 years old uh, inheritance with me. And it's a, it's, an, it's a tremendous resource, like, and uh, potential. Absolutely, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And you've, you know, from then, finishing your PhD, publishing your books, mm. this has kind of become a bit of an interest for you now, right? You, mm-hmm. you write as well for Vatican News mm-hmm. and other publications. 
Right. And at least a lot of the pieces that I saw, obviously, I, I'm the Finnish ones I tried to translate, but yeah. uh, the ones in English that I can easily access, you know, there there is a lot of talk about this particular part of the world or the history of Christianity within the Assyrian population mm. or the Syriac Church or the yeah. Chaldean Catholic Church or anything. So mm. you kind of are, are you going in that direction, or is that just one <clears throat> limb of the things that you are working on? Yeah, well, both. Uh, I I am a kind of a person who does many things and and um, I should mention to the <laughs> listeners yeah. that you are a polyglot, right? So you you obviously have this interest in languages as well. Yeah. So on the way we were talking just today, I'm supposed to guide some Ukrainian refugees here in, in Turku, and, and uh, I I got to know about it yesterday, so I did, decided yesterday I have one day to learn Ukrainian. So. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see how it goes today. But but uh, yeah, so on the one hand, I continue with my, my uh, research on Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict. So that's one, one area that goes a bit in a different direction. I also continue my interest and in research in, the, in Finnish Christian movements and, and spirituality and history. So I haven't abandoned those. But uh, yeah, this is the most recent project and... and uh, all the discoveries I made, I also wanted to share with the public uh, in the English-speaking world. And as I said, I hope to write an English version of the book. I have a summary in my academia.edu. I can I can yeah. definitely link that in yeah, our show it's notes. Just the nine pages. But uh, but then yeah, when the Pope went to Iraq, I thought this is my perfect opportunity, you know, to share what I learned and. I offered. I already collaborated with Vatican News Finnish, which is very small, so I'm just the only Finnish collaborator in the Nordic section. So I translate some news every week, or write news of my own, like if something's happening in Finland. Or I wrote about the symposium Syriacum in Paris, so the Syriac symposium, which um, was recent. Just recently, yeah, in July. Yeah, so so I can write, I can translate, but uh, but it's in Finnish. But but then when the Pope went to Iraq, then I thought, okay, I might have some knowledge that the usual English editors of Vatican News wouldn't have about the Middle Eastern churches, so I offered to write a couple of pieces on the background of the Iraqi churches, and they accepted it. And then also I offered a piece to Christianity Today uh, in English on the Middle Eastern Christians and also the identity dispute, which was a new discovery for me during this book project. And, And of course it was a sort of a uh, topic that uh, uh, would sort of make people click the <laughs> the, the, the news piece. I'm so, sure. Uh, uh, in order to sell something, or uh, I don't even remember if they paid anything. Probably not. But but you know, just to to, to make them publish something, it, 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 it's better if there's some kind of clickbait. Uh, yeah, yeah, controversy or something. But 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 the, really, the main point was to to make them known. And but I think it is an interesting, of course, an interesting discussion and a complicated one and and uh, <clears throat> and I really really as I said I discovered it during uh, this project I really didn't know about it before so I'm referring to the name dispute Syrian Chaldean Syriac and, and Aramean mm-hmm. and um, and whether they're the same people or different peoples and, and who's fake and who's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so um, so so I was confused with that, and I really, frankly, changed my mind many times because I was reading one page and then I read another 
website and then they had different arguments and then I thought, okay, but, you know, this refutes the other one. And then I changed my mind many times and it also changed my self-identity many times like during the so, so the So for the first time, you know, I started asking these questions like, I had thought of myself as Finnish Iraqi, okay, but then I realized, well, the Iraqi is a 19th century invention and an artificial sort of country in a sense with, you know, borders. As, right, as borders so. so Iraqi is not really an ethnicity, is it, or or is it, you know, and, and, and what about before that? And so am I a Syrian? And I started <laughs> asking this question for the first time, uh, uh, Chaldean Syriac or, or, or what, you know, so... I love it. So, I just picture you. <clears throat> yeah. I, you know, you said the identity dispute as though it's separate yeah. from you, and it's actually you. No, it is. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're like peeling yeah. layers, yeah. and then you're uncovering something, yeah. and you're unboxing something, and then closing that yeah. one. It's. it's yeah. I have an image in my head yeah. of all this work that's happening. Yeah. So then, what what I thought I wanted to, what what I could offer is a sort of a, like a half insider perspective, and a, also a perspective of a of an academic systematic theologian, which is. Uh, someone who knows how to analyze arguments and help people understand, look, see through like essential points and and to help the discussion go forward. So you know, sort of sift through the bad arguments and you know discern what's the, what's essential. Mm. You're helping them yeah, sharpen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so then I'm working on two articles at the moment that will be published at some point, which are more academic and which delve into these issues like a Syrian continuity and and the identity dispute and sort of trying to, to help all sides to, to see what are the most important and best arguments for each position and hopefully to promote some kind of uh, yeah, better mutual understanding and respect and, and such. Yeah. You're you're yeah. you're bridging in your own yeah. life, you you bridge the Ukrainian refugees, you mm. bridge. I, mean, I feel like you, you're bridging mm. everywhere in all the work that you do. Mm. You're a connector of sorts. Mm. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I noticed in your social that you do, there are a lot of kind of Assyrian New Year posts, Akito, that oh. are... Or yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's a lot of them, but but uh, you know there's no one else <laughs> posting them in Finland, so at least to to to, to make people know that such a thing exists. It's, yeah. Uh, but but I don't have any any sort of tradition. Yeah. Uh, I've never celebrated a Syrian New Year. Have any so. Yeah. So so, but I'd be happy to, to participate one day if I get a chance. Well, know. that leads me to wonder that I know there's a small Assyrian population yeah, here right, in Finland. Right. So uh, they came in the 90s to Oulu. Mm-hmm. In, in the north? Fairly north, yeah. Interesting that they chose the <laughs> even colder climate. Yeah, I don't know how they were probably just put there. Yeah. Many of them moved south later. And then they, of course, soon separated and the Chaldeans founded their own society. And, you know, <laughs> but that's, yeah, the, uh, the Assyrians, I believe, were more sort of numerous and better organized in Oulu than the Chaldeans have more moved to here, the Turku area and Helsinki area. So at the moment in Oulu, I believe there's an Assyrian Church of the East priest coming from Sweden every now and then, maybe once a month or, or such, a few times a year um, for baptisms and, and, and liturgy. And in Helsinki, there is a, a Chaldean Catholic priest coming from Norway okay. once a month yeah, to celebrate. And I do go sometimes to that. 
uh, mass, which is sort of publicized on the parish website as a mass in Aramaic or Arabic, or usually it's a mix of both. So sometimes I've, I've been going to those masses and I, I do enjoy it, but as a sort of uh, at best half insider or one fourth insider, you know, I, I'm, I'm more of an outsider in that, that community. Like mm. I, I, my Arabic isn't good enough and my, my, my surat is still sort of not, almost non-existent. Uh, I'm a beginner, I want to learn it kind of within one day. But, you've you've but greeted yeah. me with Sam. <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> So, so, so I, 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 you know, I don't really know many of those people, and I, I don't feel very much part of that community. But you know, I, I do feel in a way at home going to those masses. I feel like you know, I am entitled to go, and I, I, you know, I, in a way, yeah. And they, some of the people there know me, and and, and so, yeah. About the Assyrians in all I've only met one of them once for uh, a talk, and and. Uh, my book was reviewed on this. They have a fin- Finland Assyria Association. Yes, uh, I have and, tried yeah, to. On their blog, they yeah. reviewed. Uh, there was an Orthodox, Finnish Orthodox priest who re- reviewed the book on, the, on their blog. Yeah, but I haven't really been in touch with them. Yeah, it's far away. Yeah. But, but, you know, I'd be happy to. And then there's one Assyrian who just moved here recently in, to Helsinki, just also through marriage. and got my information from someone and oh really and contacted you yeah, yeah okay so, so we've been meeting a few times went for lunch and talked and yeah so so again you're yeah. bridging <laughs> somehow yeah. you're yeah and actually it was it was nice he's an assyrian who belongs to the chaldean catholic church so he, his uh, roots are also in urmia in iran and, <laughs> and um, he moved from the states uh romel is his name and and uh, and, uh, and you know he hadn't been a, a very good Catholic, we can say, uh, in his own words. Uh, but 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 when he came here, you know, to this land with very few of his people, then we went together, like to the to the Chaldean Mass, and he didn't understand any of the Arabic, but but at least the words of the institution, you know, the consecration of the Eucharist was the same. And 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 he told me after the Mass that he was moved, you know, to like really moved, and and he said he had to come. Like he's around fifty, he had to come to the other side of the planet to appreciate his mm. his roots and his heritage. And he said that, uh, that, and he started reading the New Testament for the first time, really like reading through it on his own. And he said he's now like becoming like a theology sponge, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. So there is another sort of nice instance of bridge building between Assyrian people and 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 then theology and yeah. Yeah. So yeah. well. Within your family, how has this been, you know, from your mom and your dad's perspective, how have they kind of reacted to you being more interested in these particular roots and perhaps trying them on for size, these identities? Are they kind of like, okay, I mean, that's fine, honey. <laughs> do, do what you like? Or I think they've been generally sort of, we can say, proud about, about the book project. And, of course. And, you know, like positive uh, about the things I've achieved and yeah, n- nothing dramatic. Yeah, yeah. very Finnish yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could say so. Yeah, yeah, but you know. Yeah. Uh, my my dad read the book, which was a big thing because he doesn't really read books, so and especially reading in Finnish, so so that was nice. No, oh, of course, yeah. I, of course he. Was yeah, and then my 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 brother and sister, they've also been a bit slow but they, they, they have started reading it and they are in the, in the process and 
and my brother just visited the, the Ishtar Gate in Berlin just a few days ago. And I told him he was on a road trip in Europe already once before in Berlin. He missed it, but this, this time I said, you can't miss it. So, so, you're right. yeah, so he sent a beautiful photo from there. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, and my sisters and me messaged like, wow, what a history of Iraq. I had no idea. You know, she just read the introduction of the book, which is an overview of history. Like, wow, I knew almost nothing. Well, it's the same with me, I also yeah. didn't know almost anything, like, you know, even these big names like Hammurabi or Nebuchadnezzar, you know, I had heard them, but could I have really placed them in Iraqi history, like what century and, and what place they were in, so probably not, you know, so, and, and most, most people in Finland, you know, that it's amazing how little people know about Iraq, like, they don't know what language they speak there. Nothing. You know, my father has been told like, how can planes land there if it's all sand? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have special planes yeah. for the sand. Mm. <laughs> That's the answer. We like to end uh, with yeah. with a particular question. Okay. You know, we've got lots of listeners all around the world. Yeah. A lot interested in Assyrians, of course. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to tell them? I guess my heart goes back to the experience in Poland, you know, that has been so important to me that set, set me on the on the path of learning languages and becoming interested in the church and, and then discovering my roots and so on. So that experience was just, you know, I'm loved, you know, God loves me. And so I guess that's the first thing to say, you know, so you're loved and, and then go on from there. Yeah, discover your, your, your past, your roots, your heritage, share it. Share it positively. <laughs> you know, don't waste time. You know, bashing others and such. But you know, understand others and yeah, just share the joy and share the riches. I guess that's it. That's wonderful. Thank you yeah. so much, Emil. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Assyrian Podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Emil, and may we all be welcoming to Assyrians at any point in their personal journeys. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and review us wherever you listen. You can also help us by spreading the word about the Assyrian podcast to your family and friends. And remember, dial 415-349-3845 and leave us a message, or email us at info at with your name, location, your favorite episode, and why. Thanks so much, and see you all next time.